So this morning we're going to talk about this idea of blessing because what I've realized that as a lifestyle missionary, one of the things that we do when we approach society is we're meant to be a blessing, not a burden. And I don't know if you know, but when you watch the news, oftentimes in this culture moment in American history, people might view Christians not so much of a blessing, but maybe more as a bit of a burden. We traditionally tip less than other people. We traditionally want certain things a certain way. We traditionally kind of complain about how things are going, but maybe don't ever step in and make a change with it. And people might look at us many times, though we do our best and we're just like everyone else, but many times people look at us and go, wow, Christians, you're kind of a burden. (laughs) And we've kind of taken this idea of blessing and, and instead of showing this blessing outside of our walls, Many times what we've done is we've kind of kept the blessing inside of our walls. That, that we would bless each other as common as commonly as possible, but we don't often just walk up to random people and bless them. That in some ways, the idea of being a blessing has become such a Christian thing, we put it at the bottom of our emails, and we almost always expect other people in the church to bless us. Wow, Craig, that is a nice new phone you have. Your iPhone XRS 10, 5, 15, whatever it's called. I noticed you got that card. Yeah, Matt, it's a really cool phone. It does all these cool things. Wow, yeah. I wonder what you're doing with your old phone. Because, I don't know, maybe God would speak to you to give me your old phone since you have a new phone. Oh, hey, I noticed you just pulled up in the parking lot a brand new car. I wonder what you're doing with your old car. Because your old car is newer to my current car, and I could use your old car, and maybe you would bless me with your old car. And we have this idea in the church that we almost not only hope that people bless us, we kind of expect that we should be blessing each other. Now, the funny thing is the world isn't like that. The world is void in many ways of blessing. In fact, if you were to walk in the world and give someone something just for free, they would ask you this, what do you want from me? Because we all know there's no free lunch. (laughs) If you're giving me something, it's because you want something in return. In fact, there's a YouTube video that went viral a couple years ago with a comedian who decided... He would dress up homeless, go sit in a part of L.A. I'm not sure which part of L.A., but it was a affluent part of L.A. Sit on the ground. He had a sign, a cardboard sign, that actually said something to the effect of, I want to give you something today, but people didn't realize that because when they walked by him, they just saw a homeless guy with a sign. Clearly, he's just asking for money. So every time someone came by him to offer him money, what they didn't realize was in his pocket was a wad of $100 bills. And every time they came by, he'd stop them and say, excuse me, sir. And they'd look at him with disgust, and then he'd reach up and try to hand them a $100 bill. He did this several times. Pretty much every single time that he did this, you know what people did? They swore at him. They said, what do you want from me? You don't, I, I, don't, I don't need your stinking dirty money. You don't think I got money? To the point that one guy, he tried to pay his parking toll, and the guy wanted to physically fight him. Because the guy took it as an insult of his race and he thought that maybe that guy didn't see that he was driving a 7 Series Mercedes. And he started to almost try to fight the guy about it. Because we live in a situation where the world goes, you don't give me something. If you give me something, you either want something or if you give me something, you're trying to make a statement about me right now. But ironically, this idea of being a blessing is woven all through Scripture. That we are meant to be a blessing to those around us and maybe... Being people that bless others without wanting anything in return or without making any kind of statement, maybe that's the very thing that's meant to make us shine like stars in the night. 
Yet what's happened is we've taken that blessing, brought it inside our church walls, and we're shining so bright to one another, we're blinding ourselves. And we've lost the value of what it means to just be a blessing to people without wanting anything in return. Now I started studying this and poured through scripture, and it's interesting because it is such a common and heavy-handed theme through all of scripture. And as I began to read it, I began to see, wow, my concept of blessing is not accurate with the biblical concept of blessing. See, I've always thought blessing is something that happens when I have abundance. So when God blesses me and I have an abundance of things, then out of that, then I can begin to bless others. So I have to wait for the third car. I have to wait for the raise at my job. I have to wait for all the pairs of shoes I want. And then when I have everything that I want and I feel at that point, now I'm blessed, now I can choose to be a blessing to others. And to be honest, you never get there. So you just hope rich people bless everybody. Because like, well, they seem to be already there. They can write all the checks and pay all the bills. Because in my mind, it was blessing had to do with having an abundance and out of that abundance you would give. But I think any one of us know, even rich people, you never have enough. (laughs) But when I looked at scripture, I began to realize that that concept of blessing of abundance of stuff has nothing to do with the biblical concept of blessing. In fact, the biblical concept of blessing never even really talks about stuff. Sure, generosity can come from what you have, but that's not the biblical idea of being a blessing. And so I began to look at scripture, and I'll put on the screen here, the first time we see the idea of being blessed or a blessing is in the creation account in Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 28. Genesis 1, 28. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and over all the animals that scurry along the ground. Right there, beginning of the verse. Then God blessed them. Now, the idea of being blessed or blessing or any form of that term is repeated over 400 times through all of Scripture. Interestingly enough, 300 or more of those times uses the same word that's used right here for blessed. And this word, I know we're reading in English, has a Hebrew meaning. The Hebrew meaning is the word barak. Now, when I began studying, I was expecting to see some form of blessed meaning something of like giving or blessed being some form of like sharing of goods or some form of like giving out of abundance. But that's not actually what we're going to see here. Because the word blessed in the Hebrew is the word barak. And that word means this, to kneel. It means to kneel. So the picture God is giving us is this is how he blesses his creation. He's showing an attitude of service to his creation. He's showing an attitude of humbly coming down, looking at eye level with creation and going, you're blessed. Why are they blessed? Because the creator of heaven and earth just bowed to his creation. Now we look at that and we go, oh, hold on a second. Like, I thought it was just about writing a check. What do you, out of service, what are you talking about? Well, we see this come across with Jesus, right? So Jesus comes into creation thousands of years later. He's going to show us the way to be blessed. And there's a situation that occurs in John chapter 13 where Jesus gathers with his disciples at the Passover meal. And he washes what? Their feet. Look at me. John chapter 13, starting in verse 12. coming. It's coming on the screen. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I'm doing? 
You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right because that's what I am. And since I, I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their masters, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. God knelt, knelt in the garden to his creation. Jesus knelt in an upper room to his creation. You know why we're blessed? Because our God considers us so valuable that he would put his knees in the dirt for us. Now, it's a very different concept of being blessed for us because, like I said, we think blessing comes out of our abundance. But in this situation, we see it has nothing to do with our abundance. It has everything to do with the positioning of our hearts. Now, the Greeks had a very different concept of being blessed. In fact, in many ways, the Greeks' form of blessing kind of folds with kind of our idea of blessing even today. And when Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were writing their Gospels, they had to find language in the Greek to communicate a lot of things that Jesus was explaining in Aramaic and some Hebrew. Because these Gospel writers were writing the stories of Jesus after they had been in ministry with them. So they're writing these stories to explain what Jesus spoke and how he taught to the culture of that day, now moving more Greek and Gentile, now longer Hebrew and speaking Aramaic. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John had to find appropriate words to describe what Jesus was saying. And oftentimes what they would do is they would pull words out of culture and flip their meaning in light of what Jesus was trying to communicate. That happens right here. Because actually when Jesus says, you will be blessed because you're washing each other's feet, he uses a term called makarios. Now makarios, none of you have to memorize that. It doesn't look good on your Facebook status, so don't worry. Makarios is a Greek idea of being blessed. Now, the Greeks, obviously, not being Christian at the time, didn't know what Jesus' mindset of blessed was. They were going with what they knew. And the Greeks' idea of makarios, you could be blessed in several different ways. The first way you would be blessed in a Greek mind was that you were actually a god. Why? Because if you were a god, you were above all the crazy, disgusting garbage of the earth. You didn't have to worry about paying bills, sorting out your life, dealing with human conflict. You were a god. You were the man. You were Thor. You just cruised up there and did whatever you wanted. You were blessed. The second way they saw people were blessed were the elite. So you did have an abundance of goods. You had power. People listened to you. You could do whatever you wanted. You could make other people do whatever you wanted. You were the upper upper echelon of society. You were the 1%. You told everyone what to do. Surely you were blessed. And then the third idea of Makaros being blessed was not just being a god. It was not being super rich, but it was being dead. Because they felt if you were dead, now you were back with the gods. <laughs> and if you were dead, you, weren't, you didn't have to succumb to things around you. You didn't have to worry about all the stresses of life anymore. Now you are fellowshipping with the gods. The idea of makarios to the Greek mind was when you had it all together, when your finances were stacked, when everything was going perfect, either you're a god or you felt like a god or you're fellowshipping with the gods, that's what being blessed was. But then the gospel writers pulls that concept and the Greek mindset for blessed and flips it. First place we see it is Jesus saying, you want to be blessed? Put your knees in the dirt. Okay, that's a little bit different. <laughs> the second place we see being blessed is Jesus talks about, this, Jesus has this sermon on the mount, Matthew chapters 5 through 7, and he goes through the Beatitudes. Now if you read the Beatitudes, not many of them are very positive. Blessed is the poor in spirit. 
Blessed is the meek. It even says at the end, blessed is the one who's persecuted. The gospel writers are showing Jesus was introducing to us a different concept of being blessed. Because we've said being blessed means we have to have a bunch of stuff. And when we have a bunch of stuff, then we can give a bunch of stuff. And God is saying that's not being blessed. Here's what being blessed is. When you put your knees in the dirt, like I put my knees in the dirt, you realize from that perspective, everything looks better. Because from down there, you're not looking down upon anyone. You're looking up at everyone. And when you realize that you serve a God who loves you, that put his knees in the dirt, you're willing to let things go in the posture of your heart, put your knees in the dirt, and serve people around you. And when you do that, you're going to get a feeling of being blessed that you've never experienced before and has nothing to do with your generosity of your finances. Now, I believe Jesus goes a step further because for some of us, we're thinking, well, Matt, this is great, but... I'm in a position in life right now where I'm suffering. There's a loved one that I love that's sick. There's, my finances are super weak. I'm stressed out right now. I'm dealing with trying to put my family member in a, in a home because I can't care for them. There's, there's circumstances that come into our life where we would say, yeah, but Matt, I don't feel like I can be blessed right now because there's so much struggle in my life. But I think what Jesus was communicating was Now that he's come and shown us a new perspective of his resurrected body, he's removed the power of negative circumstances over our lives. And those circumstances, what they can do is force our knees into the dirt. And when they force our knees in the dirt, guess what we do? We turn our affections toward God. And when we do that, guess what? Despite that difficult circumstance I'm in, I start realizing just how blessed I actually am. When I was living in Hawaii, there was a small church and a friend of mine took the pastoring of this church. There's about 25 people in this church. Very small church. I didn't understand why it couldn't have been bigger because it was like right on this grassy knoll on the ocean. Best surf break in the island right there. It was like, this one should be packed, you know. But we have a small community. We had a small community in Hawaii and whole island had about 160,000 people. In our little town, it was about 60,000 people. So not very big. And so I guess many churches having about 25 people is good, but... So he's pastoring at this church, and he feels called to do that, and he's doing that for a number of years, and him and his wife are serving this community. Church grew from like 25 to 30, back down to 25, never really had like a growth spurt. During that time of serving, his wife ended up getting cancer. Fortunately, it was a terminal kind of cancer, and very quickly, she began to deteriorate in her health. The whole time, though, he never quit. He kept serving the community. She said, we're going to keep serving the community. Eventually, she passed away. Guess what? He didn't quit. He kept serving the community, giving his life for that community. Word began to spread because people couldn't understand how a man could still believe in God when his wife was taking so young. Now that church numbers over 1,800 people every weekend. They have five or six different services, all of them in the grass outside because the building still only seats 25. (laughs) They've had to plant churches around. Now, now, why did that happen? Did he have financial blessing to give to people? No. Did he have extra cars to hand out? No. That he wasn't even able to buy extra pizza for people. But what was he able to do? Put his knees in the dirt. He's able to put his knees in the dirt. And unfortunately, that suffering, that situation, forced his knees in the dirt. But he will tell you that when his knees were in the dirt, he never felt more blessed, despite the suffering and pain that was around him. See, Jesus came and didn't promise he would remove our suffering and pain currently right now. But he did give us a picture that the power of that suffering and pain would be removed over our lives. 
that we could have a new perspective on it, that actually we could use suffering and pain, we could use those things to grow, to become better people, to learn more about ourselves, to learn more about God, that actually, despite our current circumstance being painful and difficult, we could actually feel more blessed than ever before. There's a book written about missionary entrepreneurs some years ago, and people were evaluating missionary tactics. And this one gentleman had evaluated uh, several missionaries that went to the country of Thailand, and he evaluated them for over a period of five years, checking in with them, tracking their growth, tracking the things that they did. In that process, that group of people split up, and they had two different strategies. One strategy was just to bless the culture. The other strategy was to convert the culture. After five years, people thought, well, surely the people that went to convert them would have done better than just trying to bless them. But after five years, the stats said something different. What actually showed in the statistics was that the people that went to bless the culture converted 50 times more people than the people that went to convert the culture. Not only that, those blessers went and actually changed a lot of their culture, creating new businesses, new education models. Because what did they do? They didn't go to convert. And many times converting is us coming in and looking down on people saying, you need to learn what I know. But they didn't go in to do that. What did they do? They went in just did this. If my God would put his knees in the dirt for me, why can't I put my knees in the dirt for you? Now, think if we carry that into every part of our life. Think of the arguments we have with our kids, where as a parent, we feel like our pride's getting too tied in. What happens if we were to approach our kids by putting our knees in the dirt? What would happen in our marriages and in our families when there's conflict and there's strife? I think, (laughs) I don't know about you that are married, but when I just stop fighting for my way and just say, I'm sorry, it kind of changes the whole dynamic. It's amazing. It's like supernatural. (laughs) But what am I doing when I do that? I'm putting my knees in the dirt. For some of you, you're at a workplace where there's high stress and people are rude to each other and you just want to go at break time in the cars and slash people's tires. You know what I'm talking about? Everyone's like, yeah, we know. I'm going there Monday, man. I'm going to tell you, you got a sharp knife? Because I was trying my knife and it wasn't puncturing fast enough. (laughs) What would happen if we went into our workspaces and we put our knees in the dirt? I have a feeling That if we became people that started putting our knees in the dirt, we would become people that would bring joy to our workplaces. That we would become people that would bring happiness to those around us. That we would become the people in our neighborhood that threw the biggest parties. Why? Because we're not held down by our current circumstances. We understand that our God put his knees in the dirt. Jesus came and put his knees in the dirt. That that's where I get my value from. That's where I get my perspective from. That's where I get life from. And if that's the case, then I can walk in joy despite my circumstance. And if I'm walking in joy, guess what I'm doing? I'm a blessing to those that are around me. I'm serving those that are around me. Because everything looks better when my knees are in the dirt. All of a sudden, I'm the person that's the happiest in the workplace. I'm the one always laying my life down for my children. I'm the one that becomes the greatest joy to those that are around me. And then we realize, guess what? We're not a burden to people anymore. Do we have burdensome things that happen in our lives? Yes. But they don't rule us. 
They're not dictating our happiness and our joy. Because you know what? My value doesn't come from that. My value comes from a creator God that put his knees in the dirt for me. From a loving son that put his knees in the dirt for me. And that's where I get my self-worth. That's where I get my value. That's where I get my joy. That's where I get my love. That's where I get the perspective that I can walk into the workplace and I can, I can kind of, I don't know, I can kind of just be like this. 